You're listening to The Progress Report on the Harbinger Media Network. We're one of just many, actually kind of halfway decent lefty podcasts on Harbinger Media Network, and one of those that we recommend is the excellent podcast 49th Parahel, hosted by lefty content king Rob Rousseau. The latest episode explains why political and fossil fuel company rhetoric about net zero emissions is largely meaningless bullshit. At Harbinger, we're building something that's challenging right-wing corporate media dominance from coast to coast. Get access to exclusive shows and other supporter-only content at harbingermedianetwork.com. Now, on to the show. Friends and enemies, welcome to The Progress Report. I am your host, Duncan Kinney. We're recording today here in Amiskwichiwa Skygan, otherwise known as Edmonton, Alberta, here in Treaty 6 territory. And today we're joined by content creator, superstar, and returning champion, Abdul Malik. Abdul, welcome back to the pod. Thank you for having me, Duncan. Uh, I've this is my third podcast appearance in uh, four days, so I am I am happy to be everywhere. <laughs> Content creator king, as I said. Um, so we recently collaborated on a, a dope little scoop about how you know the government of Alberta quietly gave the NHL four million dollars for you know reasons, but we're not going to lead with that story. We're going to lead with the story that makes me embarrassed to live in this hellscape of a province. And that is the regular, uh, weekly, in fact, anti-mask, anti-vax, COVID denier rallies that are happening in Edmonton, Calgary, Lethbridge, Red Deer, apparently anywhere, any decent-sized city gets a gets a COVID denier rally. So, so yeah, uh, just general uh, thoughts on these things that exist in this society for some reason. You genuinely love to see it, Duncan. <laughs> yeah, no, this is this is rough. I. <clears throat> It sucks. Um, like, I don't know. I've been I've been thinking about this for a minute and stuff like that. And like, you know, understandably, I think the realm of of COVID conspiracy and like this rush to get us back to work and shit like that is, you know, it very obviously leads to, you know, skepticism from people. But like, at the same time, it's a I, I think you can't shirk the fact that like, it's also being enabled by, you know, capital power and the government specifically to serve a, a much larger interest. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but sort of additional to that, like, it's mostly white people at these rallies, right? Like, there is an element of, like, um, I don't know how to say it. There's an element of, like, you know, personal safety, uh, not personal safety. I'm trying to think of the word. Sorry, I woke up at like 4 a.m. today. But there is no insulation here, right? Like that's really what it is, where it's like, you know, nothing can harm me and nothing can can stop me. So I'm able to like go out and flex this way with a thousand other people and, you know, create situations that get lots of other people sick. And it's like, you know, on that basic level, it's hard to square those two things in my mind. You know what I mean? Where it's like, on one hand, I understand, I actually do, like I get, the skepticism because like you know the don't don't trust the government folks yeah yeah, i get it yeah like but but i think ted mccoy kind of said it very well he's like this is just like weaponized selfishness you know what i mean absolutely yeah this is this is people who are yeah extremely comfortable extremely insulated from the consequences of their actions uh going out and and giving the finger to society writ large and like the, the same people who come out to these things are the same people who came out to you know yellow yellow vest rallies you know these are the same people calling for you know justin trudeau to be hung from a tree uh and there are just a lot of like even seemingly leftover yellow vest rally signs at these things but but i the, the, <laughs> reduce reuse recycled it's really the three r's these folks yeah. are environmentally conscious um oh, uh, but like but uh, I mean, beyond the question of these rallies existing, and I and I do uh, want, I think there's questions there about like why they are happening and who's going to these things. But I think the the like the newsier question is like, what the fuck is happening with enforcement? And uh, not to, I'm going to put on my news cap with a little press thing tucked into the band. But I actually called up Inspector Ken uh, Guman of the Sheriff's Department here in. Uh, Edmonton. They're the group that's responsible. The sheriffs are essentially responsible for all the security on the legislature grounds. And uh, this this Inspector Ken Gooman, who's responsible for security on the legislature grounds, he confirmed that no enforcement took place at the anti-mask uh, rally that happened this Saturday in Edmonton. Uh, I've also called up the Calgary police uh, and tried to get a comment and confirmation from them about any enforcement that happened over the weekend at the Calgary rallies, which uh, seem to be better attended, by the way. 
and uh, I they did not get back to me before we pressed record on this podcast. Um, we have but seen there was some... nothing visible, right? About like not a lot in terms of like enforcement happening in Calgary either, as far as like what I saw on the videos and stuff like that. There was no reporting of any type of enforcement or fines or tickets being handed out, uh, either by media or self-reported by the folks who were at the rally. And and that's the funny thing is that some of the best video and audio we've gotten of this rally, of these rallies, specifically the rallies in Calgary, comes from a right-wing chud Twitter account uh, named Quadzilla. Just an absolutely relentless poster, just like is is terminally online posting about uh, for the most part posting about how trump actually won the election and all this all the minutiae all the right-wing kind of conspiracy minutiae around that but this person goes to these rallies they've been documenting them and posting up videos and photos and, and some of the best sound uh, uh from these things is coming from from this dude and i just put together a little package and i think it's just worthwhile to kind of listen to what these folks are saying at the rallies, what the speakers are saying and what the rallies actually sound like so i'm just going to play a, a little sequence of sound here they're afraid. They don't have as big of a courage like you and I. But they're there. They're the silent majority. Let's give them courage. When they see you, they see bravery. They see courage. And I'm telling you, one day, they will rise up. the politicians are actually going to be required to answer some questions. I want to ask for your help for this. We're in the process right now as I speak. Uh, our litigation manager is interviewing people. We need to hire more lawyers. And our lawyers are paid entirely by the voluntary donations that the Justice Centre receives from Canadians. So if you're in the crowd today, and if you support these... From, uh, from Tahrir Square to Celebration Square, Duncan, it's a global struggle <laughs> worldwide to, uh, you know, throw off the shackles of tyrannical government. Um, uh, a bit of context there. Uh, the first speaker in that sequence was uh, Arthur Polowski, who's a well-known street preacher in Calgary, who's actually been fined, I think, a couple times now for breaking... Uh, and violating health orders quite brazenly, obviously, if you're going to actually go to the trouble of getting fined by a regime that's not very interested in finding people. And the the final speaker there was John Carpe of the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. And uh, yeah, they were soliciting uh, donations there at the end. And, and they're the the kind of God-bothering legal group that has uh, ended up filing a lot of challenges in regards to this, as well as a lot of legal challenges around gay straight alliances and various other sundry evangelical Christian um, kind of topics of interest. So yeah, so there, there, those what the rallies in Calgary sound like, Abdul. Thoughts? Yeah, no. Um, I'm not gonna lie, that first one, even I got a little inspired there. Like you really, <laughs> you know, he really put his back into it. It, it did feel uh, quite sincere. But yeah, like you, you mentioned enforcement and stuff like that. Now, you know, if you posit that police exist to protect private property, of course, and like you know, capitalism, like. Of course, they're not going to enforce basically a bunch of people who think that their freedom is attached to their ability to go to, you know, I don't know, um, sport check or something like that, right? The water park. Like Canadian yeah. Tire. Yeah. Like, you know, on, on just purely that level, like even, you know, ignoring the racial implications for, for a second, um, like it's it's completely unexpected, right? I do like how they're how they're pulling you know, that classic thing of like pulling and appropriating left-wing chants. Like the one thing missing from your audio clip was, uh, was someone playing a recording of Martin Luther King. 
<laughs> which is yeah. like a not infrequent occurrence and shit like this. Yeah, I have a dream, Abdul, and that dream is to spit in my neighbor's mouth and not face any consequences. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a dream that I can go to, uh, there's no Laura Secord, to like Purdy's Chocolate, uh, you know, in the middle of winter and get my reps in at West Edmonton Mall or Cross Iron Mills. Did you see, by the way, did you see the Cross Iron Mills uh, doomsayers or whatever? No, go on. There were people in like white, in white masks with black eyes dressed like, you know, nuns from American Horror Story walking around cross iron mills telling people they were going to die. <laughs> no, I did not see that. Uh, Thankfully, though. Incredible, incredible stuff. Like those people are equally as embarrassing as these people. Just stay the fuck home. Yeah. And stay away from me personally. I mean, th- there is a question here that, um, it's not it's not obviously impossible to reconcile or I mean I'm obviously against people snitching on their neighbors. I'm obviously against a police state um you know going into people's homes and and handing out, you know, fines and and whatever other consequences there are for this. But like in the context of a pandemic, you know, stay the fuck home. Don't go to a fucking rally saying that the rally, that the the pandemic is actually fake and that the vaccine is bad and and that masks are a way that are a vector for spreading communism. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, like I, I don't do, do if, if we do, if we were to technically like, if we were to lock all these people up for what, uh, until the end of the lockdown, do you think they would, it would be bad? Uh, like on a, on a purely health level, it would not be bad. You know what I mean? It would probably empower them to, you know, sort of radicalize them further. But this is the other thing I've been, I've been thinking about, right. Is like the ideology of Alberta and, the world, but let's talk about Alberta. It actually goes a lot deeper than I think a lot of proposed sort of nominally social democratic measures to address it. Like if the government, you know, instituted like a temporary UBI measure, right? Or like like a pure UBI measure or something like that, like paying people to stay home for, you know, say the months of August till January right? Mm-hmm. Um, there would be a vector in which that would be seen as like the government's trying to pay you for your, com- like to stay complacent, to stay compliant, right? Like there's, there is something more deeply ingrained than like simple um, material needs being met. And that a hundred percent goes back to this like bootstrap ideology of Alberta, right? And the fact that like the, the only way we seem to be able to express ourselves in, especially in this province, but obviously all over Canada and the U S is through consumption. You know what I mean? Like it's Mm -hmm. a very, you know, Edmonton has so many fucking malls, like more than I grew up in, in the GTA and Edmonton's mall culture dwarfs that significantly um, and stuff like that. Right. Like, I think it's actually pretty telling of uh, a more pervasive sickness than like simple, material alienation right like it goes well deeper into like a whole nother level of like not of like just your your entire sense of self is caught up in in yeah just the ability to go out and spend which is really upsetting actually it's really deeply disconcerting when you really think about it yeah commerce is the ultimate expression of your politics it's the ultimate yeah. like aesthetization of politics as well and it's right? the ultimate like fetishization of 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 materialism and like, you know, wage slavery. Right. I mean, there was a bunch of signs. There was at least two signs at the rally on the weekend that said every business is essential. I was, yeah. Do you remember the G20 in Toronto? Vaguely. I I mean, I lived in Alberta when it happened, but I remember seeing it on the news, kettling and beatings and kidnappings by the police and the like. There was this great video that went viral off the G20 of a guy who's who's trying to get into Eaton Center Mall, like slamming on the because they shut down the mall, right? Because shit was going down, and and he was screaming at the person at the at the mall, like just the doors, and screaming at the person filming him, going like, "The people of Toronto want to shop." <laughs> you know what I mean? It's uh, you can throw it in the show notes. It's uh, it's an incredible video but yeah that guy was ahead of his time you know what i mean like that i told need us, my buddy burger it was basically that it was like and yeah it you you know watching it him just on his own you feel bad for the guy and then you realize no he's actually like a, a very early warning sign he was patient zero <laughs> you know what i mean for for something that came 10 years later and, and is significantly more horrific 
Yeah. And I, and I think, uh, you know, you're familiar with Galt, Galt, Galt's Gulch from, uh, you know, whatever Ayn Rand book that's from Atlas Shrugged. Yep. I, mean, I think, I think this is what Galt's Gulch is actually for is just to send all of these like COVID denier, anti-vax, uh, anti-mask people, just send them to Galt's Gulch for a few months and they can just live there. I assume, I mean, they, they have their own doctors. If you, there are, there are like COVID denier doctors out there, like just send them there. If they get sick, it's, they can tell them that it's not COVID and that it's just pneumonia and they'll treat it just like, like, like just go away. I don't want you like next to me or like in my neighborhood or breathing on me. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it sucks. And like, I honestly, the, the worst part about seeing these is that they're, it's hard to like also find a path forward. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to find uh, a way to address this that like balances, you know, an understanding of the harm and the danger these people cause with like a, a broader, like more anti-carceral concept. Yeah, um, like, like that's really what's fucking my brain people, up. Like where do you start? Right. Like where do, where do you start? <laughs> <laughs> and, and how do you actually reach these people? I mean, it's not, it's 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 a very frustrating thing. It's it's generations of fucking you know propaganda in this province that have just broken people's brains. Yeah, you know the the oil lobby runs this province at this point. I think it's the you know what it inculcates is culturally embedded, you know, sort of within its blood. And like there is a certain flavor to Alberta protests that I think is incrementally different from what you're seeing in in Quebec or Toronto. Um, in terms of how they're framed and, you know, the way they're emboldened and also very specifically like the government response to it. Right. Mm. Like, like this is even Doug Ford <laughs> is going out and like, no kudos to Doug Ford. He's a piece of shit, but like, you know, even Doug Ford is going out and being like, man, you guys are fucking buffoons. Please get off my lawn. Cause they're protesting on his lawn. Right. And stuff like that. Um, Kenny has, has, you know, very conspicuously been silent on this. Uh, in a way that um, uh, well, Kenny encouraged it, right? Like all his talk yeah, about our charter rights and freedoms being—I I don't want to, you know, step on your charter rights and freedoms, folks. You know, we were trying to balance, you know, your charter rights from the very beginning. It's like shut the one, one that's not—that's not like what the charter means. And two, it's like you're incredibly cynical when it comes to they tried to fucking goldilocks it with restrictions and it blew up in their face and now alberta's in the worst in the midst of the lake of a health emergency that was caused by their fuck-ups right yeah absolutely um and i mean like yeah i guess that's that's more to what i'm saying is like kenny is softly encouraging it in a way that you know even canada's other most reactionary premiers have not um and like i've been having this sort of ongoing dialogue with Stephen Maguziak on Twitter where it's like, you know, he's of the opinion that, you know, maybe conservative politics in Alberta are at a, a split between like what you would call classic conservatism and, you know, the sort of insane rabid flavor that we have now. Right. It's like yeah. Kenny has, has obviously made a choice that, 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 you know, his bed is made with this new sort of stripe rather than the old one. Um, which is probably good good political strategy, you know, not going to lie. It's where the conservative movement is going, right? Like the conservative movement these days is not necessarily like a bunch of guys in suits, you know, divvying up the various corporate, you know, monopolies around the world. It's conservative politics is like, how do I make the most white people the most angry about, you know, pick subject X of the day? And like when you look at the, the Prouds and like what Facebook has done to old people, it's like that's that's where they raise their money. That's who they respond to. That's who they're like, that's who becomes, you know, candidates and volunteers and, and door knocks. Like those are the people who drive the conservative movement at the grassroots level these days, not, uh, you know, the business council of Canada. And it's also, by the way, I think it's also like to, to my earlier point, which I just wanted to quickly address. I think, you know, a lot of these people are, you know, sort of, I'm sure like rough and tumble, working people but just as many are like small business owners and tyrants cosplaying as such as well yeah, right like which definitely own, factors own into rv it. dealerships or you know whatever yeah <laughs> yeah who, who pretend to be like quote-unquote working class or, or adopt the the aesthetics of like what we traditionally consider like working class or whatever mm -hmm. you brought up kenny and i think uh there's something i wanted to talk about as well and that is uh jason kenny's bizarre christmas message to the kids of alberta 
Um, according to Jason, a, a lot of kids have been writing him, um, which is something that normal children do all the time. They write Jason Kenny, and they're worried that Christmas is canceled. So, uh, so Jason put on a red sweater, sat down in front of a Christmas tree, and put together a deeply strange video, uh, apparently targeted towards Alberta's children. I guess uh, when adults see this, they're supposed to bring their children over and they're supposed to watch it together. <laughs> but let's just listen to the audio on this because it is, it's, it's very special and I think we need to talk about it. Hi, everyone. Premier Kenny here. And I have a special message for children across Alberta. <laughs> because I have been getting a lot of emails and letters from kids asking whether Christmas is still on and particularly asking whether Santa is still going to be able to visit because of the virus and all the things happening this year. Well, here's some good news. I just got a letter from Santa Claus himself and I'd like to read it to you. Dear Premier Kenny, I hope the people of Alberta are keeping safe at this very hard time. I'm writing to you because I have a special message that I'd like to share with all the boys and girls in Alberta. Christmas is still on. I know a lot of things have changed. You aren't seeing your friends as much as you used to. Your sports teams and other activities have been canceled. You probably miss grandma and grandpa a lot. But none of this will stop the team at the North Pole from making sure all the good boys and girls in Alberta have a wonderful Christmas. We've been in touch with Dr. Hinshaw to ensure that we're following the rules and keeping you safe. Fortunately, the elves and reindeer are immune to the virus, and Mrs. Claus always makes sure that I only leave the home with my mask on, although the beard makes that hard. That means I'll still be able to slide gifts down your chimney this Christmas, so with everything being so different this year, you can count on that. Well, I have to run. I have a lot more letters to write. But please cherish this Christmas with your closest family members. And kids, don't forget to listen to your parents. Have a very Merry Christmas. Signed, Santa. P.S. Please tell the kids that my favorite type of cookie is chocolate chip. Go easy on the eggnog. And don't forget to leave out a little hand sanitizer. Well, Santa is absolutely right. Christmas isn't just about presents, but spending time with your loved ones. Whether in person or by calling on FaceTime or distanced, socially distanced visits. Now, before I go, kids, please do your best to help out your folks this year. Pitch in with the chores. Make sure you do as you're asked. And don't forget to tell them that you love them. I want to wish all of you a very merry and safe Christmas and hope to catch up with you sometime in the new year. I've I've never seen like a government video, uh, at least in Canada, that feels more like a Tim and Eric sketch. Like it's got the exact energy of like, you know, you know how they just like balance like this plausibility and discomfort so well. Um, and this really, really hits. Yeah, Jason Kenny, underrated comic genius. But, but the funny thing is, is that this is like. Uh, I don't know, smart people sat around a table and wrote this up and said, Jason, you've got to go out there and reassure the children of Alberta that Christmas isn't canceled. And this is yeah. what they fucking came up with. You know, the reindeers won't get COVID. Like, and half of what he's saying is too complex, I think, for kids, like in the way he's he's framing it and stuff like that. Um I mean, like, this, this is, is this, I have a toddler. Right? I, I have I have a three year old, right? And this is the first year that she's like actually getting in, into Christmas, and like we're telling stories about Santa and there are presents and things. Because when they're two, there's like whatever. Like, what the fuck do they know? They're just gonna open some presents and tear around the room. But three, she's three. She's like, okay, Santa, Santa. But like, how how long do you really believe in Santa? From like three to what, like eight or nine? Uh, I knew kids as old as 10. You know what I mean? Like I grew up in a Muslim family, so I'm like a bad metric for this. (laughs) That's that's on the other, on the outer end of like Santa believers. But yeah, those are pretty complex concepts, right? It's like, can't like if you're, if you're old enough to know that like COVID is going on and that it's bad and that you can't see your grandma because of COVID. It's like, you probably know that Santa isn't real. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it's like also, Yeah. It it's a video I feel that's like more for parents, like it's ostensibly for children, but it's it's to reassure parents that 
you know, I'm still in your, especially parents who are friendly to his government to begin with, right? Like, I'm still in your corner, and unlike those libs, I'm not trying to cancel Christmas, right? Like, no child gives a shit what the what their you know prime minister had to say, has to say, right? <laughs> no, you're right. It's 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 at the directed at the parents definitely, and and probably more at women more than men, but it's it's very reminiscent of um, that infamous pic of like Stephen Harper in a sweater cuddling a kitten where he's working kind of extremely hard to exude kind of non-threatening male energy. This is very much that that vibe. Oh, yeah. And it's also, like, it is a very creepy video. You know what I mean? Like, it does give off the ex- extremely bad vibes, like, sort of from top to bottom. Like, the last thing I want to hear Jason Kenny talk about is sliding down anyone's chimney, especially, <laughs> like, when he's talking about talking like again ostensibly talking to fucking children you know what i mean yeah the idea of kenny talking to children is probably what is the the most disturbing thing about this video is like that that is that's the strange part especially when he's like trying to be friendly and approachable and like i swear you know i don't want to grind your bones up for bread so that suncor can earn an extra half a cent on their quarterly dividend you know what i mean but that's what he's thinking when he's saying these things yeah absolutely um yeah, I I don't know. The video, it feels like a bad pair. It's one star wipe short of being an actual Tim and Eric sketch. <laughs> yes, very much so. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to chat with you about. Actually, two other things. And one, uh, last week, um, some of Alberta's uh, most tiresome and least interesting commentators, uh, specifically Don Braid and Dwayne Bratt, uh, unfortunately have two of the largest profiles as well, uh, ended up in the uh, with quite prominent pieces displayed in both the CBC and the Calgary Herald. Uh, Dwayne Bratt is, um, by the way, folks, is, is a huge dummy. He's a political science professor at the Mount Royal University. He actually in- instructed me on a class once, uh, and I was very unimpressed, even as a someone in my early twenties. <laughs> but um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was like talking shit about like international criminal law, which is just like very very far outside his realm of expertise to like a room full of like model un kids it's like what the fuck are you on about anyways uh and look i know it's hard you know times are hard right now covid is hard on everyone it's turning everyone's brain to mush but this this piece that Dwayne bratt authored is just absolutely uh dog shit and uh the, the headline here oh god what is the headline i don't have the, on covid19 what would lahid have done <laughs> there we go And uh, yeah, I'm just going to read you a couple sections from this and you can kind of react to it, Abdul. This is in Dwayne Bratt's voice. I argue that Lougheed, because of a combination of his individual qualities and the structural conditions of his time in office, would have handled COVID-19 in a much better fashion than Premier Jason Kenney. For example, I can imagine Lougheed instituting a province-wide mask mandate, utilizing the federal tracing app, and if cases spiked, imposing an economic lockdown, but with financial compensation for business owners and workers to supplement federal programs. Yeah, it turns out when someone's dead, you can just say whatever the fuck you want about what they would have done. I mean, it's you you describe it in our show notes as centrist fan fiction, which is like exactly what it is, but I even even this is like a stretch right because if you wanted to see like a better premiere to compare it to would be whoever the premier was during the spanish flu that like killed thousands of people in edmonton like there's already precedent for what you know our former and like venerated premiers had have done um whereas this is just like no i'm just gonna make some shit up uh you know attach whatever i wanted to lawheed like and it's also part of like this broader rehabilitation project of Lougheed by both um, the Alberta NDP and the UCP, right? Is like some sort of uh, well, a totem the, the for ANDP. people to grab onto, right? Yeah, well, I mean, the ANDP pivots him as like a true, like he was a truly progressive, progressive conservative, right? Like, oh yeah, the UCP, that's, and it's so hilarious too, right? Because Grant Notley fucking hated Peter Peter Lougheed's guts, right? Yeah, absolutely. and was fighting tooth and nail to stop him from doing exactly what he did. And he and then back in those days, the fucking PC party was winning like ninety percent of the seats in an election. You know what I mean? It was it was a it was a fucking hegemon, and uh, oh. it was like Grant Notley and may, maybe one other dude. Uh, also, like the yeah, you could literally go back. I'm just looking right now. Uh, who is our premier in? Yeah, Hubert. <laughs> 
that was a little earlier. Charles Stewart and Arthur Sifton, uh, both, uh, you know, were our premiers during an actual pandemic. You can literally go back and look at them rather than making up stuff about about Peter Lougheed, which is the most perplexing thing about this, right? If you're going to reach into history, it's not like history hasn't and isn't like in a way <laughs> repeating itself on a on a very particular cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in Dwayne Bratt's mind, Peter Lougheed is, is 12 foot tall and never told a lie. Right. And, and uh, here's a here's another quote uh, from the piece from by Bratt. Lougheed, who put just as much emphasis on the progressive as the conservative in the progressive. Conservative there you go. Party, like I just fucking said, <laughs> was a true centrist. He was a true centrist. He could afford to respond to COVID-19 with less attention to partisanship than Kenny. <laughs> You can almost hear Brad like jizz in his pants when he calls Peter Lougheed a true centrist. Yeah. You know, um, like what do you, what do you even say to someone like this? How do you tell them like that? They're wrong. <laughs> I mean, like in what way, in what way do you articulate to them that they're, they're also not only that they're wrong, but that they're stupid. <laughs> Um, and this person is responsible for providing political education to thousands of impressionable young undergrads. So there's that as well, just to just to break your brain at the end of this at the end of this sequence. But not only that, I mean, not Dwayne only Pratt that, this is fucking... also very. Oh, Go I was going to say, Dwayne Brad is also very obviously uh, holds a host of comorbidities for COVID nineteen. Um, so I'm assuming he hasn't left his house, and I can say this: I'm I'm you know marginally smaller than he is, but like. Um, you know, I'm sure he's been sitting in his house uh, with like COVID anxiety, looking at at what Kenny's doing and like facing his own powerlessness and just writing, you know, Peter Lougheed fan fiction to cope. Right. Like this is all one big cope. It, it is clearly a, a, a part of the coping process for uh, for Dwayne Brad. But not only were we blessed with this dog shit uh Dwayne Bratt piece, but we also got Don Braid uh, in the Calgary Herald, the guy who worked as a scab and helped break the union at the Calgary Herald for Conrad Black uh, back in 1999 to the year 2000. Uh, he also indulged in some centrist fan fiction uh, last week. The headline here, Alberta needs to hear a whole new message from political leaders. Subhead, COVID-19 is completely united in its campaign to infect everyone. The province needs to confront it with equal unity. And and this is a, a true classic in like the long running columnist category across all newspapers, really, uh, of, you know, if we all just stop saying mean things to each other, we could really fix all of our problems and society would be great. And this just this just falls into that category. Uh, let's just read a couple passages from it because it is just, again, so awful. Again, this guy gets paid money, a lot of money, and is one of our province's premier columnists to say shit like this. So let us imagine that they will be miraculously at work in Al- right through September. All right, here we go. Fuck, fuck that part. Miracle number one. A statement comes out that shakes the province. Kenny will hold a news conference with NDP leader Rachel Notley. They come to the podium with a common message. Both will pull together during the pandemic. They call a truce on the daily partisan sniping, which has become vicious and destructive. The government will invite Notley into key councils, just as she did with former Wild Rose leader Brian Jean during the Fort McMurray fire of 2016. Kenny will actually listen to the opposition and use their ideas when possible. Notley will publicly support reasonable measures. It would take a miracle, that's for sure, but our bitter partisan divisions may be making some people less likely to comply. Um, he's basically writing the the Alberta centrist, It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, like it it really does feel like he's engaging in some sort of like real holiday season style um, parable here or something like that. You know, I guess every time a person gets infected, a centrist gets his wings or gets his paycheck. Um, I'm going to keep reading from it. Here's here's the, the second part. Miracle number two, the province will get clearer, less distracting leadership. Kenny will speak for no more than five minutes at the next big announcement. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, the current style is for the premier to talk at exact, exhausting length and answer questions in detail. This disclosure may be adv- admirable, but it gets him into trouble. He uses the word police state in reference to Australia's response. He accuses critics of Alberta bashing. He talks about how good Alberta's pandemic response, uh, Alberta's pandemic response was, as if to excuse how bad it is now. 
then those comments become sideshow stories in and of themselves, distancing them, distancing them from the only thing that really matters, the fight against COVID-19. I I do again like I I picture Jason Kenny waking up in the premier's office on on Christmas morning, you know, and and running through it in his bathrobe like um uh fuck like Scrooge, right? Just, you know, Merry Christmas, Dr. Hinshaw. Merry Christmas, Legislature Fountain. Uh, Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas anti Yeah. <laughs> you know, like this is really what, he's, what he wants to happen. He wants Jason Kenny to wake up and and experience a Christmas miracle, right? The the ghost of Alberta, past, present, future, Peter Lougheed, uh, you know, I don't know, Rachel Notley and whatever shithead is going to come next uh, to teach him the error of his ways uh, for not embracing, like, I don't know, liberal uh, democracy or liberal centrism. The true Christmas spirit of the season, which would mean, uh, you know, actually doing something on COVID-19. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I, that, I know that's just awful stuff that I subjected you to, but I, I read it and I was angry about it. So I wanted to subject it, uh, you to it as well, Abdul. So I'm sorry. Yeah, I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, the thing I teased at the very beginning, the, uh, the exclusive story that the Progress Report broke, uh, Abdul and myself, we, uh, we found out that the Alberta government quietly gave the NHL $4 million for a sponsorship and advertising opportunity. And then just this past weekend, we were able to write another story where uh, we were able to go into some detail about what the, uh, what the government of Alberta actually got for that $4 million. So Abdul, what exactly did the fine people of Alberta get for the $4 million it gave to the billionaire owners of the NHL? Um, <laughs> uh, like a thimble of straw. <laughs> I mean, like they got, they got sand. Um, like it, it really was nothing. It was ad placement, in empty arenas, and the chance to be seen for a couple of seconds on TV from like minute to minute. You know what I mean? Um, four million dollars in this context, like even ignoring like just the staggering amount of of ways that money could have been used to protect any other job or like do anything else. Right. Like on a good day, if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic, this still would have been a waste of money, like in terms of what they got out of it. Um, Cause this didn't cover, unlike what Matt Wolf said, this didn't cover TV broadcast ads. This didn't cover anything except the, the rights to promote Alberta, to, largely to promote Alberta to NHL players. <laughs> Over yeah, anyone and, else. And downtown Edmontonians who live and work adjacent to the ice district, uh, as well as you know, the tourists who will be coming to Alberta any day now. Yeah. Once we get this COVID yeah. thing under control. Yeah. I mean, just to run down what they actually got. So yeah, it was, it was in arena advertising on these digital boards in empty arenas that they would catch tiny glimpses of during the, uh, coverage, like before a puck drop or whatever it was, uh, digital ads, which we never got any quantification on, on what that was or how much they spent. It was social media posts on their various NHL social media channels, which uh, there were some hilarious um, <laughs> when I actually dug through and, and tried to find out what those posts were. Um, uh, do you have any favorites, Abdul? Um, the town halls are a big up there because like, again you look at any any shitty sports team with like a parasitic owner will still do more than what the nhl did in terms of like community outreach uh like hockey players go to schools all the time and like hang out with kids or i'm sure more hockey players from the edmonton community foundation have been like or oilers community foundation have been going out to to kids yeah. virtually and stuff like the that that was a big one or whatever right yeah that happened yeah the, the inside the bubble documentary is also really cool because i don't think i can think of a single person who would watch a 45 minute documentary on instagram um <laughs> uh and it's like idea of edmonton is is literally like six hallways inside roger's place because they literally could not leave yeah yeah, like this dehumanizing bubble or whatever. Um, yeah, no, that like it's it's incredible that this actually isn't a bigger story. Like, not to pat ourselves on the back um, too much, but like this should be a scandal simply in terms of like even from a from an advertising perspective, it's a 
an egregious misuse of finances. And like when we first talked about the story, I posited that it was never really about what they got from that money. It was like an added incentive that they could on paper say was like an advertising deal to help justify um, <clears throat> the NHL setting up a bubble in Edmonton. It's like, Oh, you know, we'll do, we'll do ads. Right. But the ads aren't actually what the money is for. Um, Cause you know, you can manipulate that money any way you want. Once it's been transferred and you've done like the token things, you can say anything costs whatever amount you want to cost it out at. Right. And like 4 million might not seem like a lot in the context of the NHL, but like, it actually is. Well, like all those owners NHL are hurting is, right yeah. now. NHL is a gate-driven league, right? And um, yeah. you know, the, the the bubble was to recover a bit of that broadcast uh, kind of value, but like with no gate revenues, those the own the, the poor, sad, richy, rich uh, billionaire owners of the NHL actually um, you know need that cash. And Jason, thankfully, they found a sucker and Jason Kenny willing to give it to them. Yeah, it's it's important to consider that, like, uh, unlike the NBA or the NFL, four million dollars is actually a lot to the NHL, um, just in terms of like pure economics and the way the revenue split works and stuff like that. Um, so, like in that in that capacity, it's actually a pretty significant incentive on top of all the other amenities that were provided, right? From like police officers in Edmonton to uh, all this, like, you know, big promotion, Jason Kenny going out making public statements, how good it is, um, and all that stuff, right? To, like, the the relatively newer, more modern facilities that Edmonton had to offer. Um, and I'm sure whatever stops they could pull in uh, uh, with respect to, like, making travel easier and, like, facilitating, a, you know, sort of an easy process for players to get in and out of the province and stuff like that, right? Like, there is a huge amount of money here that money obviously did not equal what they got out of it uh to a degree that like i would call extreme i don't know about you um and yeah, it's, like it's, it, yeah. I, I mean i largely it's a, agree with it's you. a literal fucking bribe right it's i mean i'll allege that it's a literal fucking bribe <laughs> yeah um, i mean we don't have yeah. we don't have the proof for the smoking gun but i mean was the four million dollars part of the deal to bring them here uh, i mean we'll never know but i mean it certainly seems like a hell of a sweetener to bring them here and who benefits right like they, they had all of these economic impact numbers that they trotted out as you know justification for bringing it but like who benefited from those like daryl cates like the, that's the guy who owns the ice district right like he owns the hotels and the restaurants that are in those hotels and the fucking arena that everything's being held in and being rented for this like there was X amount, X million dollars amount of economic activity. Well, it's like, what good did that do for like anyone in Alberta? <laughs> yeah. Economic, I mean? economic activity is, is a question of averages, right? Like um, <clears throat> to justify new arenas uh, oftentimes. And you, and you see this, I think with the recent Calgary stadium deal as well. Uh, the companies that do these economic impact reports will average out. Um, will basically average out, uh, you know, everyone will make a, you know, 20% raise or whatever if this arena is built. But um, there is nothing stopping them from, and they always do this, factoring in player salaries <laughs> into that equation. Um, and you can, like, predict salary increase because of, like, salary cap and just, like, very predictable uh, pay increases. And then, you know, so you're looking at player salaries factoring in, which obviously holds an inordinate amount of weight when it comes to, like, Oh, see, everyone will make X amount. Like they definitely did that with this. Like you, you generate thirty-nine million dollars of revenue or whatever for businesses in the surrounding area. Well, that also means Rogers Place. That means the hotels the players are staying at, right? Which almost definitely soaked up the bulk of the of the money. Like there's no actual economic impact for quote unquote small businesses and small business tyrants the way they want you to believe. Like the averages never never work out that way and there's also like very little accountability in this respect yeah the numbers the economic numbers apparently came from the oilers who have every incentive to juice those numbers too and again they're the ones who mostly benefit uh yeah like the other thing that i think i want to close on here is is one i think it's a it is a fucking scandal and it is ridiculous that our media hasn't picked up this story and run with it because not only is it just the four million dollars for very questionable outlay of advertising and sponsorship but there was a bunch of money spent on advert on television advertising on top of this which we're still working to figure out how much they actually spent there so the, the the dollar amount is going to be even bigger than $4 million, which again, is a huge number to begin with. And then two, 
we have another bubble coming to Edmonton and uh, one that I don't think is going to run nearly as smoothly as the last bubble ran, which is the, the world junior hockey tournament, right? Yeah. Uh, this is, this is something I've been, I've been kicking around as a piece to various outlets and uh, you know, I threw it to current affairs. They haven't replied, but I think I finally found someone to run this in the new year. Uh, yeah, this is horrific. <laughs> um like you look at what's happened to to Keontae Martin in the world of or Keontae, Keontae Johnson, sorry, in the world of basketball, where he's like a young, I think 21, 22 year old player, maybe younger than that, um, who uh, who collapsed because of COVID. He's like you know physically one of the healthiest, you know, I, I should be one of the healthiest people in America, right? <laughs> Um, and the camp was already delayed due to COVID, like the World Juniors camp for Team Canada was already delayed due to COVID, right? Because um, yeah, a couple of and, players had it, right, or staff. I can't remember the details, but yeah, yeah, it was it. They they had a, a numerous positive tests, um, and they they shut down the camp for a bit, and then they obviously like resumed everything. They're acting, you know, business as usual or whatever, whatever, like. I mean, realistically, these players might be vaccinated by the time the bubble actually happens. I wouldn't doubt that there's some sort of private pipeline for uh, players to get vaccinated so that these things continue because they're such, especially the world juniors, right? It's a fucking religion in uh, rural Canada. But like, yeah, no, it's um, it's bad. And like, I, I really think uh, the thing that that underscores all of this um, outside of the fact that Alberta's, you know, basically the one province in Canada that's acting as horrifically as like college sports are acting in the U.S. when it comes to COVID, like like we're really, you know, taking the worst labor practices from uh, American sport and applying them to stuff like the World Juniors, which uh, of course adverse most adversely affects the youngest players. Is uh yeah, uh, young hockey players need a union. Um, and they need it now, right? Like there is one, but it doesn't apply to Canadian players and minor hockey leagues uh, across Canada have actually gone out of their way to do some like extreme methods of union busting um, and like completely alienate these kids from their labor, right? Most of whom never actually make it to the NHL. And then like, you know, the world juniors is, is that times a million. It's like another more like cruel iteration of that because it's, you know, the world juniors, it's not even tied to, you know, the a same team, kind of, right. Yeah. It's not yeah. even tied to like the medicine hat tigers, whatever. I'm like, I'm like 80% sure Jason Kenny changed some rules regarding uh, the way junior uh, hockey players were paid to, but I mean, I don't have obviously have that at hand. I mean, yeah, it, it seems like hosting another giant hockey tournament uh, when we have more than 20,000 active cases in Alberta and uh, nearly 10,000 active cases in Edmonton seems uh, like a terrible idea, especially when the Canadian and just bringing folks from all around the world to a place that's already a hotspot just seems seems bad. I don't know. I'm not an expert. Just just seems bad to me. They're kids like you don't again it's it's that thing of like you're just going out of your way to exploit children i mean like you're going out of your way to to completely to completely extract as much value from these from these kids uh while putting them at like immense immense risk right it's also like very much an outcome of you know in the same way that like ncaa football culture in the u.s it's also like very much an outcome of like hockey culture and it's like relationship to both like alberta and national identity you know what i mean um it sucks it's it's super it's super super sucks it's deeply unfortunate like dr hinshaw coming out and saying like oh no these these things can be safe and they will be safe and stuff like that is like that you could make it as safe as possible. It doesn't change the fact that they should not be happening, right? Like you could, you could, yes, exactly. Do like a and hard on that downer of a note. Yeah. Uh, I could go on. About I mean, on that downer like, of a note, for like hours. Yeah. I know, I know, I know you could. I know yeah. you could. On that downer of a note, let's let's flip it a little bit and let's just. There's just a bit of a, a lovely little news hit today. First vaccines are rolling out, you know, across Canada. You know, we're getting apparently more vaccines than we thought and uh, healthcare workers who are, you know, working in our healthcare system are starting to get vaccinated. So hurrah for that. Um, there is a there Tyler light Shandro, at the end of the here. Shandro doing his press conference in the, in the vaccine fridge again, very Tim and Eric sketch, uh, extremely <laughs> funny. That. 
<laughs> I missed that. Oh, fuck. Well, now I have to go back and watch it. All right, Abdul, that's the end of the pod. Uh, now is the time to plug your pluggables. What uh, What are you doing? How can people follow along with the work you're doing? Uh, this is the worst part because I never know what to say first. Um, well, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I do I do a lot of writing and journalism there. I you know have a couple of pieces uh, recently in Jacobin and uh, a really important one, Canadian Dimension. Actually, that that's probably the most important and uh, most interesting thing I've read. I've written this year about um, sports and uh, surveillance capitalism and like you know security state, uh, which yeah you can read on Canadian Dimension. But you know a couple of interesting pieces for Jacobin. Another one on hockey coming out very soon. Uh, probably this week or next. Um, I have a podcast coming out uh, January 3rd on the Harbinger Media Network, plug, 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 um, uh, called the Off Court Podcast about the political economy and niche world of of sports stories. It's a podcast for people who uh, like sports and want to sort of go beyond the the field or the rink, um, but also people who don't like sports and know nothing about them, but just want to hear some like really entertaining stories and be told like why sports are important in terms of like a very large global international uh, political context. Um, but yeah, no, if you, if you want to follow me, follow me on Twitter at socialist Raptor. Um, and uh, if you don't follow sports, you should also mute the term Raptors before you follow me. A yes, lot of follow nice dual, takes. Th- yeah the work he produces he he's obviously a frequent contributor for us and it's a pleasure to work with him and i'm going to close this pod out with uh an ask if you're if you've made it all the way to the end of this 50 minute podcast where abdul and i are saying all sorts of shit then i think i am justified in asking you i'm just going to go straight to the money this time give us five ten fifteen dollars a month whatever you can afford uh we are providing uh, an incredible amount of value <laughs> with not a lot of money between Jim and I when it comes to the reporting and the original uh, uh, investigative work that we're able to do with the progress report, as well as on top of putting out a podcast you know, almost every week. And so if you can do that, if you can spare the five, 10 to the $15 a month, go to theprogressreport.ca slash patrons. It'll be in your show notes as well. And put in your credit card and become a donor. We would really, really appreciate it. Also, if you have any notes or thoughts or things you think I need to hear, or things you think I fucked up on, I'm very easy to get a hold of. You can reach me on Twitter at Duncan Kinney, and you can reach me by email at DuncanK at ProgressAlberta.ca. Thanks uh, so much to Cosmic Family Communist for the amazing theme. Thank you for listening, and goodbye.